Well, good evening, everybody. Happy second Sunday of Advent. Last Mass of the semester on Sunday, right? There's Mass next week. I know during finals, you'll all be like, oh, I need to go to Mass. I need to ask St. Joseph of Cupertino to help me with this test, right? So this better be just as full on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. Anyway, okay, so week one of Advent is done. And how was it for you? Did you make a little more space in your heart? Were you able to pray fast and give alms to some capacity? I guess like the, the general question is, how is the preparation for the reception of the Lord going in your heart? How is that going? Right? We need to take stock. That's why we have four weeks of Advent. We had a group of students go out to Elkhorn, I think it's called, out in Clancy, and sing Christmas carols, and it was really beautiful, right? A simple way to be in relationship with those who are isolated. Simple sacrifice of an evening for the sake of another. So just simple things, brothers and sisters, simple things. Now, I know that the coming week is both busy and exciting for all of you, right? You have finals. Okay, fine. You have finals. Ooh, you know. You'll be fine. You'll make it. You're also going home to be with your family and to rest. And that's necessary and awesome. So really, really enjoy it. But don't lose sight of the season that we're in. It's still Advent, and we're still preparing our hearts. Carroll College doesn't dictate the season. Your studies don't dictate the season. The church does. So keep your eyes fixed firmly on the Lord because that's what's most important. So in light of all these things happening in your lives at this particular time of year, let's look at the human heart and then relate that to John the Baptist in today's gospel. So the prophet Jeremiah says that the heart, the human heart, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately corrupt, right? And some translations will use the word treacherous instead of deceitful, right? The treacherous human heart. Human heart is treacherous. And I like that. I like that word better for the English, right? Because I think it articulates something of what we experience in ourselves, we experience treacherousness when we have a heart that is divided. A heart that is divided. A heart that's straddling the fence. One foot in the world and one foot in faith. And a heart like that, it's, it's perpetually worrying. Perpetually calculating, perpetually justifying, and perpetually indecisive. Gosh, like just talking about it, like I can kind of feel whispers of it in my own heart. And I'm like, oh, I hate that. Ooh, creeps me out, right? Doesn't feel good. In fact, do you know, you know what it reminds me of? Okay, I have to ask this since you guys are all like 18 to 22. Did you know that they made Lord of the Rings movies 20 years ago? Did you guys know that? Okay, they did. So you've seen them, right? 
Okay, so it reminds me of that scene in Lord of the Rings, I think it's the return of the king, when Gollum, he's like arguing with himself in front of that pond, right? Because he really wants the ring. He wants it, right, in a really disordered way. But he's also experienced the goodness and love that Frodo showed him. So he's torn, right? So he's sitting there arguing with himself, torn in half, right? Do you remember that? Do you remember that scene? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, okay, good. All the guys are like, yeah. All the girls are like, what? You know, you guys are a bunch of nerds. Um, so that brings an image to this visceral tug of war within the self, right? Pull, pull this way, pull that way, this way then the other, back and forth, always worrying, always calculating, always justifying, and always in a state of indecision, always. That's a divided heart. And as humans, we all experience this because of sin, that's real, right? Sin has divided our hearts right in two. So we attach ourselves to things, as I've said many times before, material things, dying things, in order to try and fill the gap that was left when Adam rejected God. But God didn't leave us to our own devices, right? He's given us an overwhelming abundance of opportunity to reconcile with him, particularly in his own son, Jesus Christ, and his life, death, and resurrection. I mean, really, an infinite amount of grace to be fulfilled as our hearts truly desire. That's what God has given us in response to our rejection of him. But I do think this. It's right there, right at that center point. When, when we're experiencing attachment to the world and we've experienced the love of God. That's it. That is where we experience the division in our hearts most tangibly. Because deep down, in the depth of our heart, we know we have to make a decision. We know we have to. It must be done. We have to choose between the material attachments, our own preferences, our own thoughts, or God's will for my life. Which causes fear in me, because what if he takes something from me? What if he takes something that I love or that I want? What if I'm unhappy? What if I don't like it? We're reluctant to trust in what is unknown to us. And yet, we know that our hearts cannot remain divided. They can't remain that way because they're not made to be divided. They're made for a specific purpose and for commitment. It's what your hearts are made for. So no wonder it's distressing to have a divided heart. Can you feel it right now? And if you can feel it, is it uncomfortable? Good, because it should be. Because it's not supposed to be that way. Okay, so now that you're like uneasy and squirming and you think I'm mad at you for some reason... Why am I telling you all of this? Why am I telling you all of this? 
Because, brothers and sisters, the gifts that you are given here at Carroll College in regards to your faith, they're for the sake of offering to you the only thing that will fulfill you, the only thing that will bring you true peace, and the only thing that your hearts ultimately desire. And that singular thing is a person, and it's Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. This, this isn't just four years of your lives lived in the chapel because it's convenient and easy for you. No. What we do here is to present you a firm decision. To get off of the fence and move towards Christ decisively. That's what we're offering. We're not making you do it. We're offering it. We're presenting it. Because who has to make that decision in courage and in freedom? You do. You have to make that decision for yourself. All I can do is offer it to you. And where does that begin? That begins now. That begins here and now. And with Christmas break coming up, it really does pose some serious questions to our hearts. Right? You have four weeks, which is a lot of time to sit in your parents' basement and play Call of Duty, right? No, of course not. But you got to ask yourself, am I going to be faithful when I'm at school because it's convenient and only there? Or am I going to strive to be faithful when I'm outside of the structure that's been gifted to me? Am I going to choose that? Because, brothers and sisters, it's so easy to be Catholic here. It's so easy. You all have chapels in your dorm buildings. You have mass five times a week. You have confessions available to you pretty much whenever you want. You have retreats, you have events, you have everything. You have everything at your disposal. And it's so easy that maybe we take it for granted being here. This isn't like the world. This is nothing like the world. So what about when it's not easy? What about when the structure's gone? What about when you go to your parents' house and they treat you like a 12-year-old? making you do chores, walk the dog, right? Do the dishes, right? Probably because, and you get mad because you haven't done your own dishes all semester, right? So it's a crazy thing, right? What about then? Will we choose to be faithful then? Will we get off the fence and allow our hearts to be undivided in faith? And don't think for a second that I'm talking about being perfect. Right? We know that's not real. And I understand human weakness because I experience it in myself at every moment. I'm not talking about perfection. We all fall into sin. Right? Jesus himself says that things that cause sin will inevitably occur. So I'm willing to bet that each one of us will commit a sin over break, whatever that is. It's part of the reality of being human in a fallen world. 
But what does a heart that has chosen Christ, that is striving for wholeness, do when it sins? It goes right back to Christ and receives mercy from him in a decisive way. It trusts that mercy. It believes that mercy. That's deep faith, brothers and sisters, to be able to get up when you've fallen. We find our model of having an undivided heart in St. John the Baptist, who we hear from in the gospel today. A man who had his eyes sharply focused on Christ, really from the beginning of his existence. Remember when Mary visited Elizabeth, he leapt in the womb because he knew that the author of salvation was near to him, always focused. And, he, and as he fulfills his mission given to him by God, he's totally detached from the world. He's wearing camel's hair. He's eating locusts and honey. There's one singular focus in his life, one thing, a single person that his heart beats for, and that's our Lord Jesus Christ. And with how he lives his life, John shows that his heart is committed to the purpose that God made it for. And his heart is whole and fulfilled in doing the will of God. Now, like you might say, well, John had special graces from God to be able to do what he did. I couldn't be, I couldn't possibly be that committed to Jesus, right? I don't want to eat locusts and honey in the desert. God's not asking you to do what John did. Indeed, he was given specific graces to do what was asked of him. But don't you believe that God has something specific for your own life? Even now, don't you believe that? And do you not believe that he'll give you every specific grace that you need to fulfill your own mission in this life? Do you believe that? He will. I promise you that. But in order to receive what our hearts truly desire, we have to get off the fence and make a firm and final decision to follow Christ for the rest of our lives. Psalm 36 says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. Brothers and sisters, that's the order. Not you do something for me, God, then I'll trust you. No. We commit, we trust, and he acts. I want you all to know of my love and prayers for each one of you this break. And I I wish you real rest, real regeneration, real uh, joy as you go home. And I wish you a Merry Christmas.